up on the morning, tell you, lassie. I'm Shane. 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 And I'm your recapper, Shane. Welcome to Harken Back. In search of protection from divination by way of enchanted necklaces, our heroes followed the guidance of the wizened smuggler Yidian, also known as Seeker, up the Bartok Rise to a massive tree, a towering tabernacle dedicated to Elduria, the old god of nature. But the prostration on display at this place of worship bore no resemblance to prayer, as followers of the new gods had laid waste to the temple, and the earth was strewn with corpses from both sides. Hoping to heal this spiritual rift, Kallik burned away the bodies he could, but some appeared to be immured by roots and vines, as though held in place by Ilduria herself. Is the earth taking her course, albeit perhaps linked to a some kind of energy that pervades the land here? I am Maria, and a purplish flame uh, will come up. It doesn't actually burn the body as you would expect it to do. Um, but as the fire moves across it, it produces these tiny little purple sprouts that then burst into tiny purple flowers. They're wrestling over our souls while we take each other's lives in their names. They don't care if we squabble down here and bleed for them. They just want our, our last breaths. Soon they found material, while incorporeal, evidence to support this theory. And I will sort of like looking to it uh, like keeping eye contact with it as I kneel next to the body. And it sort of looks at you and it can see what you're about to do and it comes over and it sort of kneels right next to you and it looks in your eyes and it shakes its head no and it looks up and with a, a, a ghostly wave it raises its hand and points to Shreya. These wisps of wind start to pass through where my beak is as my beak opens up wide and just blue wind just emanates out of it. And I reach my hand through it and then bring that wind and redirect it down into the body as I cast Dispel Magic. As you cast this and and your spell overtakes the body, um, you can see the pieces of, of flesh and clothing that had been singed by whatever spell had killed it begin to soften out and smooth. And it almost seems to mend the clothes and, and heal the body. And you look to the ghost, who at this point stands up, and they look out, looking to a figure who is not there, looking like they're reaching out and clutching someone else's hand. And then they walk off and fade into nothing. Shaken, Kellick wept over the corpse of the fallen elf, the ponderance of his faith heavy on his shoulders. You know, the gods, what they want. It's not clear to any of us. It's easy to assume we know their wishes. There's documents. There's speakers. Have you not ever considered that their own will may be mixed in with it? I'm ashamed to say not until recently. But, Seeger, it doesn't matter. The gods allow this to happen. Allow their will to be misappropriated, misused. And why? Why? So they can reap our souls when our lives are done. All that I know for certain is what is and what is here in front of me. What the gods 
can and cannot do, I cannot say. I do know that I have gifts that have been given, and I can use them to do what I can do. I, we are the agents of repair, but we're left to our own devices, and the strength it takes, the measure, for us to use our talents wisely. If the gods can't be, then how can I be expected to undo all that's been done? You can't, but what you can do, that bunch downstairs, they follow you, they need you, they are your charge, you can't save the world but you can save who's in front of you. But not all was bleak in this dark hour, as the amorous avians amiably acquired element for the party. I wish I could say that I felt jealousy, but I'm only impressed. Well, you didn't do bad yourself. Right on to the business. As I toss the rabbits up and skewer them on a javelin, and then just immediately start roasting them above my staff. See, that's, that's that's a pretty neat trick. The flame kind of erupts out the top of the staff a little bit more intensely. A quick-thinking detect plant spell from Shreya led the gang further up the mountain to a series of destroyed buildings, a post-usurpation collection of shrines to the old gods. After a skirmish with the undead, Olma burned away the overgrown plant life to let the sun shine on the fountain of Famir and the shadow fall on whatever eyes traced their footsteps. You all are destined for good things. Whatever that means, right? Whatever it means. (laughs) We are the agents of repair. Folks like us, Gideon. We are the ones who will fix all this. Make the world a better place. No matter what gods, no matter what wars, it's upon us to rid the world of evil. Seeker took his leave, looking fondly upon these odd companions, but his services came with a price. Flynn offered his sword as payment. But you're bonded to it. It has your name on it. Nobody else can use it. May I hold the blade? Sure. And I hand it over to him. <laughs> He'll kind of wield it with, it, with a familiarity to, to such blades. If you'd be willing to part with it, this would make a fine payment. Can we go get try and get out of here? Yes, uh, time is of the essence. Good, because um, I'll hold my hand out and I'll summon my sword back. Because I think there might be someone looking for us now. The party agreed to continue on to Oakenspire where Olma's wizard friend Xavier was being held. Is there any chance that we can go to the capital? If I were you, I think I would stop at nothing to follow them. I think I would do the same. Can't let you do it alone, Olma. I don't want to do it alone, because when I'm with you, I'm able to control my magic a little bit more, and I haven't made any buildings explode. I'm in. Yeah? On their way down the mountain, though, they encountered a mysterious scene. Two ancient warriors locked in their final death strokes. You can see two skeletons kneeled down on the ground, sort of facing each other. And you can see clutched in both of their hands um, swords. And you can see each one of those swords is driven through the other's torso. They'd soon find out that these soldiers were cursed to do battle for all eternity. But there was no time to consider the implications as Olma stepped into a snare and our heroes were set upon by an enormous cyclops. Shreya, you see her and then you see around her ankle a rope come taut as it wraps around her ankle and begins to yank her off into the trees. What? what? I was just about to scream, be careful up there, Olma! <laughs> a perilous battle ensued. Kalik, still wounded from their fight with the undead, fell to the blows of two giant goats, while Olma's wild magic flared up and drenched the battlefield in a thick fog. To make matters worse, Flynn went down himself and came back up as his profane passenger. Um, Flynn, you wake back up, and as you're taking your breath, <laughs> you see stone walls around you. <gasps> no! 
Oh, see what? A, a table in the middle of this small oh. circular oh, room. Oh, no. Oh, not right now. No. And you see a door in front of you. No. As a shadow begins oh. to loom over your shoulder. Everyone else sees Flynn pop back up, seemingly fine. He looks, he looks good and ready to go. He grabs his sword in his hand and he looks down at it and he lets go and it drops to the ground as his eyes roll back into this ah! black swirling mass as his eyes darken ah. <laughs> and the horns on his forehead begin to grow a little bit more no. and, and almost crest even the back of his head. They survived and Flynn seemed to revert back to himself, but something was amiss. Make a medicine check for me. Uh, there's a 22. Um, his eyes are back to normal. The horns, though, are still um, a little mm. bit further back. They they have kept their growth. Um, looks like him. So, sounds like him. So as you're checking me out, I'm like feeling the horns, and I'm just like, man, does this look better or worse? As we're looking across this battle-torn scene, how are the skeletons doing? Okay, look, you are checking out these bodies, um, and from behind you, uh, you hear... <gasps> As Flynn, you uh, you regain consciousness. Uh, where'd it go? The Cyclops, or yeah, it was just fighting it, and it's gone now. How do you feel about your uh, your horns, Flynn? Oh, did they grow? Oh, they grew. We just had this conversation. As they made camp and tied Flynn to a tree, Shrya came upon an unusual gnome with an unusual mount, and you see a massive bug the size of of a pig. Um, and on top of it, on a saddle, riding there, is a young, fresh-faced gnome. My name is Ernest. Ernest Hollowpot. Ernest Hollowpot! Ah! Wow, what a name. Ernest was a curious character who seemed to be charting other curious individuals. Those with innate magical power, maybe? Nobody like that here, of course. So you're making a map? I'm making as many maps as I can. Oh, why? Well, I like to look for people who are sort of exceptional. It's sort of my my goal to to wander the world and and find these particular people. Have you found anyone cool so far? I found quite a few people. Do you so like far. collect them or do you just mark them on a map? I just mark them on a map. But why? It uh, fascinates me. Oh, you know what? We're looking for somebody really powerful. Maybe you could help us. Are you talking about someone who could uh, remove those horns? Since you've met a lot of people, maybe you've met somebody. I've met plenty of people who could do that. Yeah? There is a young and quite talented tiefling by the name of uh, Zeta Malakas. Thank you. You you have been very, very helpful. Oh, you're welcome. Um, oh, oh, um, none of us are very impressive, so if you would like to be on your way, you can. Ernest, too, was on his way to the nearest stepping stone to Oakenspire, a little town called Marstock. But as soon as they reconnected in town, Ernest melted. Oh, hello. Hi, Ernest. You made it. Um, you already talked to the police. No, here. no, I'm Do almost you think done. He Just can help us? give me one moment. I'm almost done. I know. I know. I'm sorry. What was that? Who are you talking to? Oh, that was nobody. What were you saying? Well, you were just talking to somebody. Look, my, I'm sorry. My time is almost up. But um, it was so pleasant to see you all again. And as he finishes his sentence, the band over the top of his head glows for just a brief moment. You hear a little bell chime as his flesh and form in front of you completely melts down to the ground as if it was clay melting down to the ground, leaving nothing but a pile of 
this this brown liquid and a copper band. It was here, atop the goopy remains of Ernest Holopot, that our heroes happened upon the peculiar wizard, Hayfried. What's your name? They call me Hayfried. Well, again, I'm Flynn Fellowweave, and I'm, uh, and I'll, I'll look to, uh, Kellick, and I'll give him, like, a little smile. And I'm part of the Agents of Repair. Learning of Flynn's affliction, Hayfried decided to help our heroes in a multitude of ways. He led them to his domain in an alternate dimension. You see, he had something of a checkered past. I had to get people to talk. And a lot of the times, that's not something easily done. And you did this for this? A few different rough crowds. Now, I'm ashamed of it. I still haven't made peace with it. We all fall off the path sometimes. I fell pretty hard. I pointedly look over at Alma. You're quite capable. I mean, look at what you've done here. You can apply those powers for, uh, for good, for helping folks. I tried that for a while. Always seemed to just go worse. Well, you're going to help us, and it's going to go fine. Oh, yeah. One of Hayfried's rough crowds was the Order of the Red Wolf. But he's on the straight and narrow now, so, you know, it, it's whatever. Orders will come down from on high to take uh, different strategic positions and just cause chaos. And what is on high? Who do they serve? A man named Corvin Amberstone. Something about a storm in the middle of the waste he was trying to find. Uh, but Corvin's been dead for a long time, so... Last I heard, he's still kicking. And he knew a spell that could remove Flynn's perverse parasite. I'd say you are a threat to your entire group and to everything around you. I say we get this thing out of you as soon as possible. What's to stop it from just hopping into another body? We need another body for this to go into. All it needs to be is something with a heartbeat and something about our size. I don't know, I've seen a couple sheep around town. The idea of moving Flynn's tormentor onto a helpless animal was a heavy proposition. So a debate ensued. We're taking its life. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to do that. You eat animals to live, okay? This is using an animal to save your life. I don't see the difference. I don't want it being locked in, locked in a cage. She's not wrong that displacing this burden isn't much different than the other necessary sacrifices we make. I think this is the beast inside of you talking. Alma, calm and down. And doesn't want to leave you, and that's why you won't. Enough! This is my burden. When I eat an animal, it doesn't live forever in a cage. It goes on, its spirit goes on. But if we lock something in a cage, it'll be there forever. And its body gets taken. I'm not doing that to something else. We've been traveling with him up until this point. And I do tend to agree that all of the beings on this earth are owed a life that they choose, not a life that has been thrust upon them. This is an unnecessary risk. An unnecessary risk, like the one we took when we went to the prison to spring your friend Xavier. We take risks to help each other. Why can you not see this as helping? Sometimes we have to make hard decisions. I understand that, Alma. But we have to make these decisions together. You trusted me, and I appreciate that. But I don't have a creature living inside of me. And we can fix it. And it's my fault that it's even inside of him, and you won't even let me fix it. Hoping to get a little more context, they put Flynn in one of Hayfried's magic cages and drew his hitchhiker to show its face. Vas robot irdu. What? What does, it, what does that mean? Basically, he serves the outcast. Vas ronath means outcast. It means the outcast. Yeah. Iraktof induast. He said he wants chaos, but he also said that he wants to kill all of us, so that was a little cherry on top. What more chaos do you want? The world's at war. People die for no reason. All the time. Malik dan o bast ilmadu. He says... There's always more chaos to be had. 
as long as there are gods in the sky. Did I mention requisite bargaining from creature living in your head? How do you feel about making a deal? I take your body. I will give you a new one, better than before. You will have abilities that you have never even imagined. You will be better in every way. You see your friends out there. I will kill them all. I promise you. And I promise I'll stop you. No deal. The interrogation revealed little, but it did one thing well enough. Flynn was now in a cage, and therefore unable to prevent his own exorcism. Well, what choice do we have, Alma? What do you mean? We got Flynn in a cage now, so we can go get you a sheep if you're so desperate to do things your way. Yeah, that's what I would prefer. We've been working so hard to try and get rid of this thing and save him, and now we're just gonna what? Leave it in him? All right, Alma. You don't have to be an arsehole about it. Freya and Olma returned with a sheep to bear Flynn's trespasser, with promises of a remarkable repast. Make sure you remind them that they're going to be doing a great thing for the world around them, that they will be saving lives. I'll see if I can translate that into sheep, yes. <laughs> You'll forgive me my accent is a little bit uh, crude and rudimentary. <laughs> I might be able to come with you and see what you are discussing, um... But I must be promised that I will be back here by sundown, as that is feeding time. We have a new grazing spot for you. Oh, well, if this corn is any indication, I would love to come with you. Yes. Guys, what the hell is this? It's a kitchen. Yes, we're making treats for this lovely young sheep. Why? I just think, son. Needless to say, the exorcism did not go smoothly. Everyone, you see Flynn, who is currently, like, he's face down on the table. Oma, you are directly on top of him still. And you look down at the back of his head where you punched him, and like an owl, his head begins to rotate 180 degrees as it comes back and looks directly at you. He opens his mouth, and this green gas begins to emanate from him and spill out all over the table, creating this huge cloud of this noxious gas around everyone. Hey, Freed, as he's standing there, Magic pouring out from his hands. You guys all feel as silence. Then you all hear you can see hunched over 15 feet tall with white tufts of wool. You can see the um, the muscles where the skin has been ripped off. See the muscles underneath moving and still transforming. You can see uh, the shoulder pop out of its socket, elongate down towards the ground as the bones are spiking out from its skin and you can see the shoulder then pop back in. You can see the legs trying their best to form into humanoid legs out of these sheep legs and you can see the hooves at the bottom um, beginning to to grow and crack just from the size and as it turns around towards you running at it you see this elongated horror of what was once a sheep's face that's melded now with a partially tiefling face these horns that are emanating from the forehead wrap all the way around towards the shoulders and you can see one eye is like bulged out like the socket is just barely trying to keep it in. The newly christened Agents of Repair locked this horrible byproduct of their folly in yet another cage and Flynn stormed out of the interdimensional chamber. I passed it off to something else. I walked to the exit. What did Flynn call us? 
earlier? The agents of repair? Yes. Well, maybe we repaired him. If this is what repair looks like. And I look at the beast, the cage. Hey, to see what it'll look like if we broke it. I think their forces seeking to break the world already. Olma followed shortly thereafter, but Flynn soon found himself alone on the outskirts of town, forcing unknown magics from his weary hands. I don't have any spell slots, but I'm going to try and force magic. And the more and more I'm not casting something, it makes me more and more frustrated. The party's resident confidant, Thaddeus, gave counsel. But maybe not what Flynn wanted to hear. How did you learn your spells? My power just came from within the people who I had around me and and my further devotion to what I was doing. Yeah, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for power. Lynn, I'm not going to lie. You're scaring me a little bit. The first time I've heard that. People aren't usually scared of me. Is that something you want? You want people to be scared of you? I could have taken care of it on my own. A sentinel would be able to take care of it. I'm definitely not that. Now it's locked in some cage because I couldn't take care of it. Dudes would literally rather be possessed by a demon than go to therapy. If I show them that I'm strong, they won't mess with me. All right, fine. Maybe I just need more. Maybe I just need more tattoos. You look at Thaddeus and he is deactivated. While no one could resolve Flynn's feelings of inadequacy, Olma and Kellick appealed separately to his sense of right and wrong and explained their reasoning. That was my burden. (coughs) And you put it in that thing. Yeah. Why do you need a burden? Don't we have enough that we're trying to do? I wanted to be able to take care of it on my own because that's what a sentinel does. Flynn, I, I don't know anything about the Iron Light Collective, but... I do know that nobody can really do anything on their own. I'm sorry that I took away your agency, but I'm going to do it again if it means that you're safe. If it happened to you guys, I would want to honor how you would want to deal with it. Lynn, if I were possessed by a demon, I would want you to make sure I was safe. Just didn't feel like I had a choice. (sighs) Well, then, we didn't have one. Given the options, traveling with you, and... No one, you might never be yourself. And we might have our little friend stabbing us in the throat as we try to sleep. There's no way for us to do that then. And so, take what you will of the decision. But we had no choice. Next time will be different. How do you figure? I'll look at my book. I, I, I know what you're thinking. The mayor couldn't stop the new gods from taking her place. And she was a god. You know what I'll do? I'll go to the high mountain. I'll take her place and I'll be the god of light. I will never be remiss. I would never leave one of my most devout followers without his power in the face of absolute evil. But then we went to a prison and a little girl killed the man right in front of me eyes. What amount of power then can make all the chaos of this place manageable? They also got him some lemon pastries! My favorite! <laughs> uh-huh! I didn't know they had these anywhere else. Well, they're not quite the same. I I did specifically say, like, just fill some pastry with, like, a syrupy lemon sauce, so it might not taste the same, but we'll see. With further help from the wizard Hayfried, our heroes learned that the Order of the Red Wolf was definitely conspiring with Kao Martemisia, the half-orc, half-corpse crystal dweller from Coldcrest, a pair of drow twins they hadn't yet encountered, and a mysterious community of dwarves signified by a firefly symbol. They faced a choice for the road ahead a risky teleportation circle to Oakenspire, or a path through the mountains to the coast and up to the adjacent city of Direhand. They opted to reach the tail end of Hayfried's circle by horseback, their two steeds, Penelope and Stillfast, and then teleport back to secure the link. This was maybe a horrible idea, 
While forging documents and feigning innocence made their traversal of Kaldor's rigorous checkpoints a breeze, the same could not be said for a half-orc family and a very pregnant half-orc woman. Uh, I'm gonna cast one last look back to this family, DM. You cruel, sick bastard. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Do they look healthy? The wife is very pregnant. As you know, coming from Marstock, it is a journey to get back to the closest civilization. As a medical professional, you would not advise giving birth (laughs) in the wild. Unable to close the figurative temple door on another child, Kellek bargained with Olma to go back to the family and help them reach their destination safely. We can't help them, and it's not our fault that they didn't get in. I can help them, No, Oma. you can't, because we have to go. if I can help, go. and I choose not to, then I, it's as good as killing them myself. It's just like when you decided with Flynn to get off the boat and help at that big, giant war, and then Flynn blew up a ship full of people. It's not the same as, a, as an ill-begotten war. How do you know? It's not about defeating a foe. The foe here is the elements. You don't even know who that person is. I know, but I, I care about people I don't know. This... Also was maybe a horrible idea. Oric, the stubborn father of the family, was hell's bent on taking a shortcut through the mine, and Kellick and Flynn felt obligated to protect them from their own foolhardiness. Despite it being a shorter route, Olma was heavily against this option, as it was clearly safer to take the long way around, and they'd already passed the checkpoint with ease. Trya was a dog. Okay, Trya, bark once if you're for going back to help the family, and twice if you'd rather proceed down the road toward Oak Inspire. Oh, come on, try it. Simple instructions. I think, was it one? Hey, that was like, it was like, ha- it was like one and a half. It was, yeah. It's more like a whine, actually. It wasn't really a bark. Try it. Go the direction you want to go. And then I just sit down. <laughs> so, Oma was outvoted, and the fractured party plunged into this mine of untold depths. Well, you can say I told you so when we're all Blade into death in the cave later. I will. Okay. Sneaking past slumbering hook horrors, the agents of repair led the half-orc family down a series of tunnels marked with an anvil, unwittingly betting their lives on the idea that they would lead toward dwarven civilization. Instead, they found an abandoned forge inhabited by baby fire giants. You guys are sprinting and you guys can see the exit and you guys are almost there and you guys hear... We keep running. We don't stop to hear things. <laughs> you, guys, you guys continue running. You guys are hearing this. Oh, and the regular adult guy also. A massive fire giant begins to walk into the room. They scrambled. Olma and Flynn ran distraction while Shreya and Kellick ushered the family through the tunnel. But once again, our heroes had bitten off more than they could chew. Flynn, this Bring it. huge flaming chunk of metal is hurled at you. And you are still on the horse, right? Is it a crit? <laughs> you want to come see what it is? It's a natural 20. Yeah. This bludgeoning rock hits me and the horse, and I fly off it. <laughs> Land on the ground unconscious. I turn to look at Kellick, and I shake my head, and then I run. You can say it now. I don't say anything. I just run past him, and I, sh- like, shove him out of the way as I run. The party escaped this mine of terrors, but not before discovering they were hot on the footsteps of an invisible assassin. Two drow sitting there on either side of the hallway. Throat slit and what? blood and blood poured what? down their body. No, that, no. <laughs> A calm meadow greeted them at the mouth of the mine, but the loss of Penelope and their disunity on the correct course of action prompted further bickering and fallout. Alma? 
Oh, oh, now you want my oh, opinion? For fuck's sake, Alma. On what we should do? For fuck's sake, Alma. No, I'm done with this, all right? You listen to me. The only reason we're going to help your friend who we don't know and who is probably a very dangerous person is because we're good people who do kind things for people, right? You want us to help you? Then you have to help others. That's the deal. That's the life you're in. That's the world we're looking out upon. And I just just throw my arms out to the to the the, the uh, town of Diahand ahead of us. That's where we are. So you either commit to helping people or you, you don't get any more goodwill from me. I did commit to helping people. I helped Flynn and I helped Shreya with his stuff and I've helped you. That doesn't mean I have to help every single person who walks by. Without the order of Kaldur, our world descends into chaos. And I am happy to pay any price to keep my daughter safe. And what have you known of the chaos that it could fall into? I know more than most. I know when the war first started and every soldier and town guard was taken up to the war front. Many places were left unguarded and without law and bandits roamed free and my brothers were killed. Yes, that's the kind of chaos I know. Do you agree with the way that the Kaldurians have been pushing outside the bounds of their native land. Yeah, I think it's necessary in order to make it a better place. When you have people who push back against that and hold on to ideas of the past that are no longer relevant, you end up hurting everyone. Just take care that in the hand you extend to protect does not at the same time bludgeon the very innocent that you wish to preserve. Our heroes lie in the dirt amidst this crisis, a great anthropomorphic storm cresting the horizon. Will they make it to Oakenspire safely, together? What awaits them in the capital city of this hostile nation of law, order, and capital punishment? And should they find Xavier, will he have the answers they seek, the tools to fight the regressors, the means to repair the world? Find out when we return next week on Venture Forth. <laughs>